at Sunday Surefire, we have a vision. And that vision is to dish out the most sound fantasy and bending advice in the industry. And guess what? It just so happens that our brand new sponsor at KYMZ Oils has a vision too. Together, we'll give you the fresh picks and KYMZ will give you all the fresh scents. Beautiful match. All you got to do is Google KYMZ Oils and try out their top seller, Vision, to start smelling fresh today. Make sure to use promo code KYMZ Surefire for an extra 5% off. That's KYMZ Oils. Remember, just Google it. You'll find it. First thing that comes up, promo code KYMZ Surefire. Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. Joining me today is the co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey. hey. And the other co-host, Ethan Weaver. Commish, how are we doing? What is going on, fellas? Everything is all good here on my end. Football's back in the air. It's an exciting time of year for sure. And it's also exciting because our road trip is, is wrapping up here. We have touched on every single division. Thus far, with the exception of the NFC South. So our road trip is concluding down here, down south. So as always, we're going to be using Fantasy Pros ADP, which of course stands for Average Draft Position, Half Point, One QB Rankings, or you know the ADP at the moment. So you can follow along at home if you'd like to. And uh, we're going to be running down the division in a similar format that we have in the past. Uh, I'm going to mention off the top if there are any studs in the division that we want to reference. We'll talk about rising stars, which are players that haven't currently fully broken out as uh, fantasy fantasy superstars quite yet. But we think that going forward, they certainly will be mentioned as studs in the future. We're talking busts, players that they may be good players, they might not be good players, but in any event, they're not the guys that are not going to live up to their average draft position in 2023. And we're talking about sleepers, guys who are we think are undervalued, so the opposite of a bust candidate. Players that we think have the opportunity to take a big step and massively outperform their ADP and be players that, uh, you know, are, could potentially even be league-winning players for you. And then we're also talking dynasty stashes, guys that you can get for a relatively inexpensive price point and kind of just tuck away on a taxi squad or maybe at the end of a bench in your dynasty leagues. So uh, all those guys should be at least relatively affordable to qualify for that category. But we'll start with the top of the top here. Uh, we've been talk- touching on studs to begin all of our divisional recaps. And the NFC South actually doesn't have any true studs at this particular moment in time. In years past, we certainly would have mentioned Alvin Kamara's name, but given his suspension and the added backfield competition, I think it's fair to take him out of that category, at least for now. But you know, I'll tell you who is going to be in the mix to be a stud a year from now, and that is my rising star, B. John Robinson, who's currently going ADP number nine overall, good for RB4 off the board. And, you know, this really is the safest running back prospect that we've seen since Saquon Barkley coming out in 2018. He lands in a perfect spot with the Atlanta Falcons, a team that absolutely loves to pound the football. They had the second most rush attempts per game in 2022, and they used the number eight overall pick 
in the la- this season's draft to go ahead and get Bijan Robinson onto their team. So obviously a massive investment, top 10 draft capital for a running back just really doesn't happen anymore. And the, the Falcons were happy to pay that high price to get Bijan on the roster. And anyone who plays plays Dynasty knows all of this already. But if you're more of a redraft manager or you have that mindset, you know you may be kind of checking back in around this time of year saying, oh, shoot, my draft's coming up in uh, just a couple of weeks. So you want to get educated real quick. Well, you're, you're in the right place here with Sunday Surefire, but if you're if you're surprised to see a rookie coming off the board this early, you know in the top ten in your draft, so don't be shocked by that. This guy is gonna, in all likelihood, gonna produce at a high level, which is why he's going this high. Uh, so just know that he's worthy of that first round selection, despite never playing a snap in the NFL. But uh, that I'll keep it pretty brief. Pretty brief on Bijan. It's pretty well documented what he's likely going to do at the next level. But Ethan, I know there's another Falcon that you wanted to touch on in the rising star category. So why don't you go ahead and hit me with that guy, my man? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Drake London. His ADP is currently 59 overall, wide receiver 24. And I think at that cost, um, you're getting a, a potential. Uh, Receiver with uh, wide receiver one upside, high end wide receiver two. Um, he's the clear alpha in that uh, in that offense, and um, had a relatively good rookie year. Um, analytically, he finished in half point PPR as uh, wide receiver thirty one. And everyone talks about London's target share last year, and and for good reason. He was number five last year with a twenty nine point four percent target share. And he was number two in targets uh, per route run rate of 32.4%. Um, so he was commanding targets and everybody, everybody says, Hey, target targets are earned. And he was definitely earning targets. Uh, London had an offensive grade of 83.2 per PFF, which is a uh, pro football focus, which was the, which was the best among the rookie class in 2022 and second best for a rookie over the past five seasons, just one spot behind Justin Jefferson and one spot in front of Jamar chase. So that's obviously a good company to be in. Uh, he was the uh, eighth overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. So he obviously has the capital and he came in the NFL. And as I just stated, commanded a large target share and was the clear alpha in that uh, receiving core. Uh, last year, uh, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter were, were uh, throwing the ball to London. And uh, down the stretch, uh, Desmond Ritter started the last four games. And he was uh, Drake London in the last four games was wide receiver 18 in those games without scoring a touchdown. So he was uh, he, he was he was doing well with Desmond Ritter. He had targets of um, in the last four games of 11, 9, 8 and 8, which averages to nine targets a game. Uh, with Desmond Ritter at the helm. So I think um, it's looking good going into this season with Ritter at the helm. Uh, London was his uh, favorite target down the stretch. Obviously, Kyle Pitts wasn't playing towards the uh, end of the season, so there wasn't um, much to throw to in uh, in Atlanta. But um, Drake London was clearly uh, Ritter's Ritter's top guy. And I just think they're going to – they're going to throw the wall a little more with Ritter based on kind of what we saw last year with Marcus Mariota uh, at the helm in weeks one through 13. Uh, Drake London was uh, averaging 9.6 PPR points a game, 6.1 targets, uh, 65.8% catchable target rate and our yards per route run of 1.72. And in weeks 15 through 18 with Ritter at the helm, he was averaging 14.6 PPR points per game nine targets a game and uh, um, 74.3% casual target rate and a 3.03 yards per route run. So uh, considerable uptick 
in efficiency and production with with Ritter uh, throwing the rock. But um, I just think Drake London has a as a as a great um, profile. He has, as I said, the, the capital commanded targets last year. I, I know the Falcons run a ton, which is obviously a risk with Drake London. And if Pitts does come back and, and, and does command a decent target share, um, can Desmond Ritter support, I mean, two top-end fantasy targets? Who knows? I just think uh, it's hard to talk about the NFC South and not bring up Drake London as a rising star, just just considering um, what he did, what he did as a rookie. Yeah, just a comment on both Falcons players and fantasy. Um, not, you know, not, I'm usually pretty picky, choosy of, uh, you know, who I want on my fantasy team on on teams that um, are not projected to do too well. But I think you guys both alluded to in both of these cases, Bijan and Arthur Smith's um, offense. It's just going to get a lot of carries, and London's going to get a lot of targets, right? So I think um, in both of their cases, um, you know, it. it it, it is an example where um, you probably don't have to be scared of them in, in a bad offense because they are pretty much the offense. Right. So um, I think those are the situations where um, it's totally fine to draft those type of players. Bijan, um, I think he's just going to have an insane amount of volume as, as commission said. And uh, as Ethan said, just London will just have um, most of the target share over there in Atlanta too. So, um, I think that's what I also look for as well. Um, obviously, you can't really predict um, touchdowns all the time, but you can predict targets, and London is dirt, definitely soaking those those all up. So, Kamish, any, uh, any comments on London before I go on to my rising star? I guess quickly what I'll say about Drake London, his price point at the moment is WR24 off the board. So right on the WR2, WR3 fringe. If he, sl- if he slips any- much further into the – WR3 range, he's certainly going to be a guy that I have, I definitely have some exposure to in redraft. If he creeps up any higher, I probably won't. For the reason Aaron mentioned, I'm, I'm a little skeptical on this offense and the quarterback play around Desmond Ritter. Um, I just, I'm not sure what they can support from a fantasy standpoint. And receivers is really a crowded position this year for me. There's a lot of really talented wideouts that I like that are going to be attached to better offenses. And in redraft formats, I'd probably rather have exposure to to those guys. I like London a little bit more in Dynasty because because he's so young. He'll be 22 years old this season, so he has an incredibly long runway ahead of him to be productive in in that in those formats. I'm a little up in the air for 2023, but uh, you know, hopefully for for his purposes, he can take a step and kind of put those measurables Ethan was talking about that that were really good into fantasy production, which wasn't there for him a season ago, finishing WR 36 and half PPR scoring formats. Wasn't doing much for fantasy managers last year, but hopefully there's brighter days for him coming as soon as this season. So we'll see on that. That's the wanted to get my two cents in there on London air, but why don't you keep, uh, keep rolling and tell us who your rising star is. All right. All right. Well, um, just like uh, Drake London, I'm, I'm also going with a wide receiver as my uh, rising star. Um, and that's Chris Olave, um, a, a guy I was, uh, if you remember right, Kamish, I was pretty high on him last year. I think I called him out as a sleeper. Um, and it, it's very interesting as, as him, uh, as is finishing his rookie season, uh, finishing wide receiver uh, 25 last year and just 15 games, didn't quite make it the whole year. Um, had a pretty impressive stat line with um, 72 catches, just, just made it over the milestone of 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. Um, but, you know, a key takeaway for me here with Olave is he had to play with an interesting uh, quarterback situation. 
Uh, last year in 2022, having to play with four different quarterbacks, with Winston starting at the helm, but then him going down with injuries, breaking his back, I think he said. Uh, but then moving on to Andy Dalton, Ian Book, and Taysom Hill experiment, right? So um, I think, you know, having to deal with, um, you know, a, a declining Saints uh, uh, passing game, still making over the 1,000-yard mark, um, pretty impressive as, as a rookie. Um, but something I'm really looking forward to in 2023 is who his new quarterback is, and that is uh, Derek Carr. So um, Derek Carr, I got a lot of high hopes for him. And as a saint, you know, kind of uh, I think he needed a new opportunity um, in, in New Orleans. Um, you know, if you, if you look at just last year, um, you know, Carr did, uh, if you remember right, Carr did uh, give us a wide receiver three in uh, Devontae Adams, right? So um, if you want to com- kind of compare Alave to Adams last year, um, Alave had 119 targets uh, to Adams 180. Um, just made it over a thousand yards with Olave and Adams, fifteen hundred yards, right? But the, the big, big stat here is Adams had fourteen touchdowns to Olave's four. So, um, big thing here with the and uh, um, upgrade at quarterback here in, in in New Orleans. Um, I think Olave has a lot of room to. I'm not gonna say have a Devonte Adams season of last year, but definitely has um. Uh, potential of having a season close to where he's getting drafted, where, as I mentioned, last year finished in wide receiver 25. He's now getting uh, picked around uh, wide receiver 13, uh, according to Fantasy Pros. So, um, yes, that's a big jump. Um, Definitely fits the mold as a rising star. Um, If you don't think, you know, if you think that, you know, that's just a one-off year with um, Derek Carr uh, making Adams a, a wide receiver three, um, he's also he he's actually had um, five other wide receivers that has had uh, top 12 seasons with Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, um, Hunter Renfro, um, and don't forget uh, Darren Waller as well. Right. So Derek Carr definitely has it in him. I think the Saints, um, with them being the favorite to win this year, um, I think um, Olave has an, uh, a season that um, has a high potential to almost, I'm um, not going to say double, but, you know, definitely climb those ranks at the wide receiver position. So Alave is my rising star this year in the NFC South. Sneaky call out there on, on uh, all those guys that Derek Carr has made viable, Aaron. Good uh, good pull on that for sure. Um, you know, we kind of think of Carr as like this guy who's just kind of okay, but he does support fantasy fantasy wide receivers and tight ends for for sure. So Olave definitely fits this mold, and I think the community's onto him as well as being a rising star. Ethan, would you uh, would you agree on that? I would agree one hundred percent. I mean, in the dynasty community, Olave is already a top ten receiver, and he's a very uh, sought after asset in dynasty. And I think at wide receiver thirteen in redraft, it's not a bad price point. According to uh, Fantasy Pro's ADP, uh, the wide receiver 14 is T. Higgins. Um, then you have 15 is, is DK Metcalf, then followed by uh, Debo Samuel at wide receiver 16. And um, I'd much rather have Olave than the, the guys I mentioned after him due to uh, just concerned with some injuries and just upside in their offenses. I just think, um, as Aaron just alluded to, I think Olave has a chance to break out this year with Derek Carr. He's going to be the clear number one in that offense, and I'm very excited to see uh, Olave take off uh, this this year in that New Orleans Saints uh, offense led by Derek Carr. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting exciting uh, experience for sure for all if 
if everything comes to fruition the way that we that we think it should. Ethan, uh, tell me who you're a little bit negative on, though. I mean, we've been talking a lot of uh, a lot of rising stars and hopes and dreams and potential and all those fun things that come along with it. But get a little negative on me, Ethan. Who are you? Who are you, do you think is going to be a bust with their ADP in 2023? I'm actually not going to get too negative here. Uh, I don't. I actually don't think the NFC South has a legit bust candidate uh, for us to discuss. I know. Uh, you guys have agreed on on a bust, and we can touch on that player in a little bit. But um, and I'm just looking at ADP in the NFC South. I mean, you have Bijan overall number nine RB four, good price point, just because Bijan is an absolute stud. Um, well, I should say his stud profile, who uh, we are all projecting to be a stud. And then we just talked about Olave at wide receiver thirteen. Miles Sanders, RB19, which is overall 48, which is a good price point for him. London, wide receiver 24. Uh, Godwin, wide receiver 26. Rashad White, running back 28. Evans, uh, WR32. And Kamara at running back 25. So all those price points, in my opinion, are are very uh, are very um, good. I mean, I, I, would, I, I would take those players at any of those costs. And I think there's actually a lot of upside with, with a lot of those uh, price points. And there's uh there's one person I, I left off the list and which I believe you and uh, Aaron are going to talk about. And that's uh, Kyle Pitts at tight end six, which I do think is the only person that could probably fit the bus category just because he is obviously um, an upper echelon tight end in, in terms of uh, redraft ADP right now. So uh, I'll turn it over to you guys and uh, talk a little uh, negativity about Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Aaron, Ethan's in a too good of a mood for my taste. So why don't you get, <laughs> get why don't you get started on bashing Kyle Pitts a little bit at his current cost? Yeah, I think I think Pitts here. I mean, it, it's a situation where I think it's almost two years running. I think we're calling Pitts as a bust. It's just it's just the fact that um, you know when to draft him, right? So um, I think. The timing with Kyle Pitts is not right to where we just mentioned they're they're a rebuilding team, high um you know high volume when it comes to running the ball. Uh, we mentioned how high the uh, target share to Drake London is. So I'm just kind of looking at it from a, a top down view of um you know there's not a lot to go around in in Atlanta in the passing game. Uh, uh, Ritter did uh, show some flashes last year, but he, he's still going to go through some growing pains this year in 2023 as well. Um, you know, we mentioned the the work Bijan's going to have. I just don't know if, um, you know, Pitts is really going to knock, you know, knock it out this year, which um, I think he will get some flashes. But when you look at guys like obviously Travis Kelsey, um, you know, Waller, even a hidden gem, gem, Evan Ingram of last year, kind of climbing up the ranks. You can get like, almost like equal value on down the line for your top top 10 tight ends um, where you don't need to take a stab at, at Kyle Pitts with whether, you know, I, I just feel it's a gamble. Like, okay, is the Atlanta offense going to do um, decent <laughs> this year? And if the answer is yes, you might do all right. But um, you know, they, they really need to make a big step um, uh, considering what London has, has done to that offense in that um as the as the number one offense right so um mine's more just top-down approach um like i said i don't like to have too many pieces um in uh low volume offenses so i kind of draw the line after london and Bijan. so um commission what, what's your take here with pits 
my take on Pitts is that I really like him as a, as a talent. I like him as a player. He broke out as a rookie, the thousand yards, obviously, which was great. But I feel like since then, it's just been kind of a, a steady decline. And I know last season, we were all three of us at the time, Aaron, you, myself, and Captain Carmen, we all had Pitts as our, uh, Pitts as our butts, our bus candidate in the NFC South. And what, what would you, what do you know? That came through for us. So I, I have no problem going back to him again this year just because I don't think too much has changed. I mean, obviously, Marcus Mariota is out, which is a good thing, but Desmond Ritter coming in, I'm not convinced that's a massive upgrade to the point where he's going to be this this phenomenal target. You know, everyone mentions the Drake London's target share that Ethan referenced earlier when he was talking about him at 29%. And so we know a lot of passes are going to be flying his way. So is that really going to leave a ton left over for Pitts to return a, a top six tight end where he's currently being drafted? Uh, around the at the end of the fifth round, is that going to leave a lot of meat left on the bone for him in a high volume rushing attack? I'm just not highly convinced that it is, and I don't want to pay this price tag to find that out. And if you look at guys going behind Pitts, you have guys like Dallas Goddard, guys like Darren Waller, both of which I'd rather have at cost in a 12 team league. You know, Goddard obviously for the week to week consistency that he brings, and obviously Darren Waller for the perceived target volume and higher ceiling that he gives us in 2023. That's kind of the top guy over there with the Giants. So I'm hopeful that someday Pitts can grow into the stud that we want him to be for fantasy purposes in both redraft and dynasty formats. But as far as 2023 goes, I'm just not optimistic that this is going to be the year that he puts it all together and establishes himself as like, hey, I'm taking the torch away from Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews as the next perennial top three guy going forward. I'm just not quite there on Pitts yet, but that was an, a quick little, uh, a quick little road to the, uh, to the, to can, the negativity. Can I, can I touch on Pitts? Can I touch on Pitts a little bit? That we went this? on there, but we're not quite done with it yet. Ethan wants to jump in on Pitts as well, so why don't you fire uh, away on him, my man? I do. I'm in a positive mood today, so I just want to defend, uh, defend our guy Kyle Pitts a little bit. Um, as you alluded to, he did have a pretty good rookie year. I mean, he was tight in six as a rookie with a thousand twenty six yards. And he only had one touchdown, right? So tight end six with one touchdown. He scores one more touchdown. He's he's tight end five. And, I mean, you can't really ask much more than that as a rookie. And then, obviously, he came in last year with very high expectations. And he only played in 10 games. He got hurt. But um, you mentioned target share. He he was number two in target share with 27.3%. I know it's a low-volume passing attack, but that was with uh, Marcus Mariota. With Desmond Ritter, the passing volume did did um, get an uptick. Uh, he's never played with Desmond Ritter, um, so we're we're kind of unsure how Kyle Pitts is going to uh, fit in. Obviously, Ritter's um, pecking order, but I think it's going to be uh, slightly better than what Marcus Mariota uh, showed us in weeks one through thirteen. And then he was in uh, he was number one in target rate of, at thirty four point three percent. So I, I think. When Kyle Pitts is out there, he's commanding targets. I mean, he he's had very little touchdown luck so far in his career. So, and I just think in redraft, I I would definitely a hundred percent would rather draft Darren Waller at tight end seven price than than Kyle Pitts. But I mean, there's probably no bigger lottery ticket at the tight end position than Kyle Pitts. And in redraft, he's the kind of guy that can potentially potentially win you. Uh, win you leagues with that positional advantage, but I definitely understand the hesitation. He was a huge, he was a massive bust last year uh, for where people had to draft him. So I, I get why um, he's in this category. And honestly, in my opinion, he's the only one that kind of fits this uh, bus category in the NFC South. Yeah. And that's why we had to be in there for sure. It is a tougher division to, to peg as well. Yeah. I just, it was just, it was just a mess last year all around, even on a per game basis. 
Um, the targets might be there, but he was tight end 20 per on, on points per game. So even when he was out there, he wasn't helping managers win. And I'm just not convinced at this price point he will be. But I will say, if you do want to bet on talent, he does have, have that behind him. And maybe this is the year he puts it together. I think we're just a year ahead of schedule on him personally. But, Ethan, I'll, I'll just throw, toss the ball right back to you here. Uh, since you're in such a good mood, you know, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me about some guys that you're really optimistic on that are a little bit further down the board this year? Yeah, so my sleeper in this division is actually one of your favorite players, Kamish, uh, DJ Chark, uh, wide receiver, Carolina Panthers. Oh, my God, I'm going to throw off real fast. But no, <laughs> go on, go on about the six-year breakout candidate. Hey, we're, we all love our six-year breakouts here. But, um, yeah, no, so D- <laughs> DJ Chark, wide receiver 63, overall 177, the 15th round. And I just, I mean, with that price point, he, he's practically free. And I think he has the opportunity to be um, – uh, the number one uh, for Bryce Young in Carolina. He, he's a guy that ha- has all the uh, all the measurables that you're looking for in a wide receiver. Uh, he, he's, t- I mean, he's he's six three, two hundred pounds, and runs that four four three four forty. Um, but he just hasn't. Uh, injuries have really uh, killed his career thus far, and he just hasn't been able to put together. He signed another one year deal in Carolina, um, trying to. Uh, prove himself again and uh hopefully for him get a uh, a longer term deal uh um ne- next year after hopefully he has a, has a good season in Carolina but just looking at the depth chart it's Terrace Marshall, Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen and then you have Hayden Hurst at tight end and and Terrace Marshall he he's he's kind of a similar similar mold of DJ Chark where they bo- both came from LSU they're both a little raw coming out and Terrace Marshall he didn't have a great rookie year I mean, on on all accounts, he's he's having a better um better camp and better better offseason this year. But who who knows what you're gonna have in Terrace Marshall? He he's a complete uh, question mark going into this year. And based off last year, I'm not expecting too much. Jonathan Mingo, another kind of raw prospect, uh, at an Ole Miss, big body r- receiver. Uh, I'm not expecting a ton as a rookie. Um, from Mingo, as I think he's gonna need time to develop. And then you have Adam Thielen, who's an aging veteran. Uh, I think his best days are behind him. So in, in this offense, I don't see why DJ Chark can't be the the number one for, for Bryce Young. And he's clearly the only he's clearly going to be the deep threat for this team. He should lead the team in air yards this year. And I think uh, he has a chance to develop a decent chemistry and a relationship with, with Bryce Young. Um, in weeks 13 to 17 last year, he averaged 10 and a half points per game and 61 yards per game. Had 90 yards in three of his final six games when he played. Um, but like I said, health was his biggest issue. So I, I just think Chark has a chance. I mean, he, he showed it. He's only really showed us one time uh, when he was actually healthy. I think he finished at wide receiver 17 one year for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But he's a guy that just has like the, the athletic profile to to kind of take off. He just we just haven't seen it. And I hope in Carolina uh, he can take off with Bryce Young. And I just think at the price point, um, it's not a bad dart throw to potentially get the uh, wide receiver one in Carolina. Aaron, are you uh dumpster diving in shark infested waters this year? <laughs> nice. You I know, like uh, <laughs> you know, I like, uh, I like baby shark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've always actually been a fan of him. Um, you know, always watching him um, when he played. I mean, it always seems like he's uh, coming up with big plays. So I agree with Ethan where I think he's their, you know, their biggest uh, deep threat on the team. So he may give you a couple weeks where he, um, uh, you know, kind of, kind of blows up a game or so. I don't know about his consistency, especially with Bryce Young being more of a, 
you know, short to medium round, you know, tosser uh, at, at QB, especially in year one. So um, it depends how comfortable Bryce Young is in the offense this year. I, I don't know how conservative they may be you know, over there in Carolina with him. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking that Thielen is um, <laughs> going to be the old vet that gets a, actually a lot of looks over there. But um, I do think Chark will have some, um, I guess he's the prime, like boomer bust type player, in my opinion. Um, but I, I definitely do agree that he's going to have some boom weeks for you. So that's my uh, thought on Chark this year. I won't go on a long rant about DJ Shark and how he's let people down or how Ethan, one of these, he's one of the guys that Ethan can't quit because he likes his athletic profile from six years ago. Um, but, you know, he at, at this price point, there's actually nothing wrong with this call out. Number 179 overall. The guy's basically free. So if it's a last round swing you want to take just to see if he latches on with a rookie quarterback and Bryce Young, I'd say go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with with where you're getting him there. Um, I'll probably look to go in a different direction. I just think there's there's a lot of mouths to feed there. They're all up in the air. Shark has his warts as well. Um, so I'm just kind of probably in the at their wide receiver room in Carolina, probably gonna be willing to sit it out and kind of see what happens on that front. But another reason I'm willing to sit kind of sit out on that position group. Um, is because I think their tight end is going to be a good sleeper. And that's the guy I want to talk about here in Hayden Hurst, who's going ADP 200 overall, tight end 27. So a, a tight end three that we're talking about here, just buried deep down the board. Um, And, you know, this will be the only his sixth year in the league, but it, it feels like the guys have been a journeyman already. You know, he's his, the Panthers are going to be his fourth team in the last five seasons, which is kind of crazy. But they did make a sizable commitment to him. His three-year deal contained more guaranteed money and a high edge, higher AAV, which stands for average annual value, than any other tight end this offseason. So they, they, they did make a commitment to him. They want him to be kind of that security blanket for Bryce Young in the short area. Uh, the rest of the tight end depth, it really is not a threat at all. Um, and even the receivers are suspect. Ethan laid out all the, the receiver room, so I won't rehash that. But – you know, young quarterbacks need security blankets. And I think Hurst has just as good a shot as anyone else in Carolina to be that guy this season. And when given the opportunity to fill in that role in the past, he actually has come through. In 2020, he finished tight end nine overall as the checkdown guy for Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And if you factor in the cost here, he's going even even further down from DJ Shark. So he's free. Like, he probably is not even going to be drafted in most leagues, guys. So if you're high on him and you want to take him with your very last pick, you know, maybe you punted on tight end. You want to get a couple guys on your team to kind of play the matchup game. I think Hurst is a good target for you to really just kind of sit there and wait for them down the board to, uh, to um, you know, gobble him up for free, essentially. And I know we have a lot of Carolina Panthers fans listening to our show, so I had to uh, had to sneak in a bounce back play there after I dumped on DJ Shark a little bit. But I, I do like your tight end, guys. Hayden Hurst is going to be a, a factor this season for the Panthers. Uh, Aaron, what say you on Mr. Hurst? Mish, I think I think you just like his long red hair. I think you're jealous. I think you need to grow out your <laughs> hair, and uh, and you can be his number one fan. <laughs> Aaron, I don't know if you checked on my hairline recently, but that that's not going to happen, my man. Like that, the hair game, that ship is it's still not looking. It's long. not looking good, dude. <laughs> it, it's not a good look for me, man. Like I'm I'm fighting it right now. I'm 32, but the time I'm 40, I'll have nothing on my head, man. Nothing at all. <laughs> All jokes aside, uh, other than the hair call out, um, I think I think Hurst is a good call out. I've heard you heard you mention him. Um, you've sold me on him already, so I think he's definitely a sleeper um, this year. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually not going to disagree with the Hurst call out, especially having a rookie quarterback. I think he he's going to need to check down to his 
safety blanket is, as we all know that that's got to be the tight end um, early on. So um, I'm digging the call out and digging the, the long flowy red hair. At a boy, someone's got to support the, uh, the redheads of the world. And I always appreciate that. But uh, do you got anyone that you're uh, you're sleeping on in the NFC South that you want to toss out to us? Yeah, and it's funny. I didn't I didn't plan this, but you're gonna hear a lot of New Orleans Saints today for me, and I I don't even know why. But in looking at the division, I I think I even called it out. There's just like a lot of under the radar guys. There's no studs, as we mentioned, but there's there's a lot of guys I think can outperform their um their draft position. Um, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. You know, I mentioned uh, I was so high on uh, Chris Olave, I think, as a ri- rising star. And I, I think, obviously, as a wide receiver, the guy who's got to get him there is uh, the QB, right? So um, I mentioned Derek Carr's past seasons. Uh, you know, he, he aside from 2022, he had four straight um, seasons over 4,000 yards passing. Um, and guess what? He, he had to compete in a lot tougher division in the AFC West, right? So this is uh in 2023 the NFC South is a is a division that I think it's um you know it's up for grabs for anyone, right? And the Saints being the most favored, um I do think Derek Derek Carr can um kind of light it up, right? So he finished uh QB around QB 16 last year just in 15 games. Remember, he kind of got shafted towards the end of the year with with the Raiders and like, "Hey, I think we're we need a um, check out Stenum, right? So, uh, you know, I think just the writing was on the wall. Um, you know, every, everyone knew what was going on with cars. He, he needed to find a new job, right? So I think he has a great landing play, uh, spot and a place that, um, like I said, they're actually favored to win the, the division. They're a plus 120 um, in this division. Uh, comes with a new team, new weapons. I mentioned Olave. I, I know we joke about MT, but if he is truly he- uh, healthy this year, a healthy MT with Olave and uh, hearing the good news with Kamara, Kamara um, this year, um, adding that with a good defense in a weak division, I think that's all just lining up all for success for Derek Carr this year. So, you know, he actually just finished in between um, Daniel Jones and uh, Aaron Rodgers last year in, in points. And as I mentioned, he only played 15 games with sending out the final two of the of the season last year. So um, I I think he has a big bounce back here. I, I think he can definitely beat uh, his spot at 21 and climb up the ranks as high up as uh, as, as QB 12. I, I, I do think he can he can get there with the Saints. So my sleeper is Derek Carr in this uh, this year. Yeah, I, I agree with the Derek Carr call out. Um, with his current price of, uh, I believe, quarterback uh, twenty five or so, I, I think he does have a bounce back back year. I mean, last year his his interceptions were up. He had his um, he had a pretty low completion percentage, um, compared to his uh, yearly averages throughout his nine year career thus far. And then he had his lowest uh, yards per pass attempt. Um, and out of the past five years, but I do think it was time for him to move on from, uh, the Raiders. Uh, as you said, he kind of got shafted a little bit down the stretch. They, they, they benched him. And, uh, I think he's uh, excited to kind of start fresh in New Orleans and excited to get out there and, um, show the, uh, the Raiders and the rest of the NFL, what, what, what he's capable of. He, uh, has a pretty good supporting cast with, um, Olave, um, as you said, Michael Thomas, if healthy, you know, I mean, you have Kamara, you, you have Jamal Williams, you have uh, Kendra Miller and then uh, Raheed Shahid. 
Uh, and then you have a uh, another guy at the tight end position, Juwan Johnson, who I was actually um, potentially going to talk to talk about him as my sleeper, but um, went with my guy DJ Chark. But I do think Derek Carr has an opportunity to definitely beat his current uh, price, and I think he has a chance to be a, a high end QB two with Flintworth back in QB one. If obviously if everything goes goes according to plan, but he's had high uh high success in the past and i think he is set up to be successful um as a member of the saints well speaking of the saints and their receivers let's uh let's stick with that group and and go right into our dynasty stash category here and i'm going to talk about my guy at perry who's a big body wide out 6'3 205 very productive in college had back-to-back thousand yard seasons at wake forests also also put in double-digit touchdowns in 2021 and 2022. Uh, he did fall all the way to the sixth round of the draft, but the Saints, to me, are, were an intriguing land, landing spot. Obviously, we have Alave, top of the depth chart. We've talked about him ad nauseum here tonight, so we won't need, don't need to go down any further on him. But you know, after him, the depth, depth, the depth chart does get pretty open pretty quick. Rashid Rahid Shahid, you got Brian Edwards, Traquan Smith, guys who have, a, I guess you could say, have a chance to do something, but... You know, we've kind of been there and done that with Brian Edwards and Traquan Smith, at least. Michael Thomas is hanging around, but that guy hasn't been relevant since 2019. So it's probably unlikely he's going to come back to any any serious level of relevance in 2023. So I think A.T. Perry does actually have the opportunity to carve out a role for himself this year, uh, or if not this year, certainly going forward. Um, so we'll see what he does with the, the chances that he does get. But if you want to talk about cost here, there's, this guy is not even being drafted in most leagues. Maybe he's a late third-round pick in some one-quarterback formats. Uh, the, if you play in a league with the fourth or fifth round, maybe he's coming off the board. But if your dynasty leagues only have three rounds in your rookie drafts, there's a good chance this guy's still on your waiver wire. So go grab him, uh, scoop him up, put him in your in, in the taxi squad, last spot on your bench, whatever you got to do. Just, just throw him in there and uh, and just see what he can do. And if it doesn't pan out, you just move on for nothing, like I've been saying for for weeks on end here. So that's uh, those are my thoughts on A.T. Perry, Aaron. Do you want to jump in here and give me your thoughts on him? A.T. Perry, um, you know, definitely a guy off of my radar. Um, I think just the same – I think you're kind of building up a case for uh, Derek Carr with a historic season here. <laughs> um, no, I think definitely a good call out. Um, I – I also have a, a wide receiver um, with the Saints as my sleeper, and then maybe Ethan can comment on both here. Where, um, kind of for similar reasons, where I think that wide receiver three, wide receiver four on the depth chart spot is up for grabs. Um, you mentioned Rashid Shahid, and that was it was actually the name I, I I meant to not say when I was talking to Derek Carr as a kind of a surprise name, but you guys had to bring him up, um, because he kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, after week six, I, I think, you know, in our, in our daily fantasy show, um, you know, we mentioned it, it was the week out. I think it was like the, after we, it was week seven when he hit one catch for 54 yards, but it was like the catch that turned heads around the world. Right. We're like, Whoa, what was that? What was that, uh, shriek of lightning, uh, you know, flying down the field. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of just like a player we, you know, we thought was going to just be a one one uh one time gig one you know one one big play just kind of made his career but um that really wasn't the the case with Rashid Shahid last year he was four times he he made it four times inside the top 32 wide receivers um since week 6 so definitely a guy that you just like kept wondering all right when's this guy going to kind of go back to the you know go back to the shadows but he he really didn't do that he kind of made a name for himself and took advantage of the injuries 
the Saints um, had last year. So I'm looking forward to Rashid Shahid um, capitalizing in that wide receiver three spot, especially with, um, um, you know, with the MT returning. I think you guys have already joked around with his health and if that's in question. So that might be riding on the wall for both Shahid and uh, Perry. But, um, Ethan, what do you think about our, our guys over in New Orleans? Or not, not Nolans, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I like both those callouts. Actually, I mean, I think I think somebody is going to take that uh, wide receiver three role and potentially wide receiver two role once uh, Thomas gets hurt inevitably. But hopefully, hopefully Thomas can stay healthy. But he just he hasn't been he hasn't proven that as of late. But uh, I like I like Shahid's upside. Uh, towards the end of the season, he started to play a, a larger snap share, and it, uh, it it paid dividends in some weeks. Um, in week 15, he was a wide receiver one. Um, and then, uh, as you said, he did have some, uh, usable weeks. And I think, uh, a, a, a guy like Shahid, obviously he's always, always has that boom potential, but he's going into his second year and he was kind of, a uh, no namer last year, but then he, then he obviously, uh, got on our radar and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, head in the year two. And then AT Perry, I mean, the guy just has a different mold compared to all the other receivers on this team. He's 6'5", 205, and he had a really good preseason debut. He caught all six of his targets for 70 yards and a touchdown. So a uh, great way to uh, enter the NFL. And A.T. Perry um, is is obviously free in, in pretty much all formats, um, but he's probably going to um, get some uh, attention now that he had that decent line in uh, – week one of the preseason for, for the saints. So uh, like both those calls and um, there's a potential that uh, they may make some noise this season. Yeah. Good stuff on that. Completely agreed. Uh, I think the saints receiver room is definitely pretty wide open. So it's kind of a take your pick type of thing for these deep dynasty stashes between uh, you know, whether you're an AC Perry guy, a Shahid guy, maybe you can even grab both just to find out what all the fuss is about. But Ethan, tell me, uh, tell me someone that, that you think there's, there's a plenty of fuss over, at least an, enough fuss to where you want to throw them on as your dynasty stash and kind of hold on and hope for somebody in, in the NFC South. My dynasty stash is Sean Tucker. I like Sean Tucker coming out of Syracuse. I, I thought he had a, a very good profile, has all the speed in the world, has decent size, but um, unfortunately for him, medical he had a medical condition with it with his heart come up in the pre-draft process and he went undrafted i think he had a chance to be a potentially third fourth round pick if uh the medicals checked out because he did have um a solid career at syracuse um at, at syracuse he uh in his last two seasons he had um 14 1496 yards and 246 carries and um 1,060 yards and 206 carries his final year. Um, those were averages of six, basically six yards and five yards per carry. And he had uh, 14 and 13 touchdowns in back-to-back uh, -back seasons. And he also caught 56 balls in those uh, last two seasons. So definitely had the production at Syracuse. Uh, as I said, I, I liked his, uh, liked his profile. I think it's pretty cool that he's wearing number 44 representing Syracuse, like Jim Brown and Ernie Davis. So, uh, I, I definitely think that's a, a, a pretty cool, uh, story coming out of Syracuse. And I, I, I wish him the best. I, I do think he would have been a second round pick in pretty much all rookie drafts if he did get drafted. But as I said, the medical issues led him to be a UDFA and just looking at the depth chart, you have Rashad white, 
going in the year two, the clear RB1 on that team. But then after that, you have Chase Edmonds, who was on a one-year deal. Keyshawn Vaughn, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024. And then you have Sean Tucker. So heading, heading into 2024, the only two running backs uh, that are currently on the roster that are guaranteed um, to be on the roster, that's if Sean Tucker makes a team anyways, is Rashad White and Sean Tucker. And with the way the NFL teams value the running back position, if you can find a UDFA like Sean Tucker to tote the rock and, and, and be productive and pay him absolutely nothing. It, I feel like that's the way the NFL is trending. I mean, his total three-year deal is worth up to $2.7 million with only 155,000 guaranteed, which was his signing bonus. So Sean Tucker, I think he has a ton of upside and I, I hope he gets an opportunity to showcase what he can do. Uh, in the NFL, because I, I I liked um, watching his tape at Syracuse, and I I am rooting for the kid. I'm glad he was cleared, and uh, we'll see we'll see what he can do. But definitely not a bad uh, a flyer uh, that you can pick up on waivers in your dynasty leagues. Hundred percent agreed, and I don't think he actually got drafted in any leagues that we play in. But I know for a fact that I've never seen a UDFA have so much buzz in the free agent bidding immediately following a rookie draft than we have with Sean Tucker. Like people were spending like 20, 30% of their fab right off the gate on a UDFA, which just does not happen. And that's for all the reasons that Ethan mentioned between the opportunity in Tampa Bay and just because what he did in college and where he would have been drafted if he had gotten a clean bill of health. So I'm uh I'm pretty high on Sean Tucker too. I was one of the guys spending up big money on him in at least one of my leagues. So I was too. Yeah. So we were all been there. Maybe, and maybe Aaron's the odd man out on that, but who knows? Uh, Aaron, you got any Sean Tucker hanging around? <laughs> I don't have very many shares of him, but I think, you know, I think it is a perfect scenario, as Ethan said, that, you know, if you're a dynasty owner uh, out there that, you know, you may have put all your eggs in one basket and you're, you might might have one of those teams that, um, you know, n- might not have that many or any draft uh, draft picks. Like these are the these are the guys you need to pick up in the waivers, as Ethan said, like take a look at. Um, you know, the contracts remaining on the team. I love that fact in Tampa Bay. I think that's a great, great call out there because uh, that's your way you, you kind of scratch and maybe claw your way back in a dynasty league where, you, where you're left with just a bunch of vets, right? So there is a light at the under, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, as they say, uh, if you can get lucky with some of these undrafted uh, free agents. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with the take there. I, I think he's just in a gr- great position to stay on the team and, um, maybe be the next next man up after White. Yeah, completely agreed on that. And speaking of the light at the end of the tunnel, we've made it all the way through that tunnel with the divisions, fellas. That concludes our road trip around each and every division. So we spent eight episodes on it. It was a lot of fun to go through the division, talk about the stud, the sleepers, the rising stars, dynasty stashes, all that's now behind us. And we got redraft season. You know, we're, we're about to step into prime redraft season in the next week or so. So definitely keep keep uh, staying, staying tuned on here. We're going to be very redraft heavy in the coming weeks, and that before we know it, football will be here for real. None of this uh, none of this preseason watered down stuff. We'll get actual live NFL football coming up in less than a month, which is awesome to think about. And so we're looking forward to diving into all that, all the challenges, and all the fun that comes with it. And until next time, folks, peace.